This afternoon I proclaim to you the word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 31 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 31. And there we confess the following. What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? The preaching of the Holy Gospel and church discipline. By these two, the kingdom of heaven is open to believers and closed to unbelievers. How is the kingdom of heaven open and closed by the preaching of the gospel? According to the command of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is open when it is proclaimed and publicly testified to each and every believer that God has really forgiven all their sins for the sake of Christ's merits as often as they by true faith accept the promise of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is closed when it is proclaimed and testified to all unbelievers and hypocrites that the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rests on them as long as they do not repent. According to this testimony of the gospel, God will judge both in this life and in the life to come. How is the kingdom of heaven closed and open by church discipline? According to the command of Christ, people who call themselves Christians but show themselves to be unchristian in doctrine or life are first repeatedly admonished in a brotherly manner. If they do not give up their errors or wickedness, they are reported to the church, that is, to the elders. If they do not heed also their admonitions, they are forbidden the use of the sacraments, and they are excluded by the elders from the Christian congregation and by God himself from the kingdom of Christ. They are again received as members of Christ and of the church when they promise and show real amendment. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that includes the brothers and the boys and girls who, who belong to the Lord. Later on in this worship service, we hope to witness the baptism of Kinsley Marie DeWitt. And you'll notice when we read the, the, the form for baptism, it says that the summary of the doctrine of holy baptism reads as follows. First, we and our children are conceived and born in sin and are therefore by nature children of wrath so that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. The sermon this afternoon is about that entry into that kingdom. Baptism tells us rebirth is required to enter that kingdom. And that means we should never think that just sitting in church, being a member of the church, will automatically give us the right to enter that kingdom. And that's what the keys of the kingdom of heaven are about. They have everything to do with the rebirth. For keys open and close, and those keys we confess in Lord's Day 31, then open and close the way into the kingdom of God. And those keys of the kingdom which we confess from the Bible in Lord's Day 31 open by bringing to rebirth and ascertaining rebirth to regeneration so that covenant people can enter the kingdom of peace and joy in Christ or they can close by ascertaining that there is no rebirth and then they harden the hearts of people so that they're shut out of the kingdom and I preached to you then that word is confessed in Lord's Day 31 of the Heidelberg Catechism with this theme, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And we just pay attention to those two keys, the preaching of the gospel and Christian discipline. 
First, the preaching of the gospel as key of the kingdom. Congregation, when the Lord's Supper is celebrated in church, there's a certain emphasis on the seriousness of that celebration. It says 1 Corinthians 11, quoted in the form for celebration of the Lord's Supper, let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And then you have that part of the Lord's Supper form. There's a whole list of God's commandments. And, and it says there that people who persist in those sins shall not take of this food which Christ has ordained only for his believers. Otherwise, their judgment and condemnation will be the heavier. So the gravity of taking part in the Lord's Supper is emphasized there with Scripture. You can sit at the Lord's table and bring judgment on yourself. If you take part without being reborn. But what about coming to church and sitting under the preaching of the gospel every Sunday? Have you ever considered that sitting in the pew here is actually just as serious? Somebody might think, well, I can bring judgment on myself at the Lord's Supper celebration. If I eat and drink without that rebirth in my heart but there's no danger that I'll bring judgment on myself while sitting in the pew on Sundays but congregation that kind of thinking isn't correct according to our confession here the catechism calls the preaching that takes place in this church twice every Sunday one of the keys of the kingdom of heaven and that means that sitting here under the preaching of the gospel is just as serious as taking part in the Lord's Supper. And it's just as important that you think of your rebirth then. Kingdom is open and also closed for you as you sit in the pew here in church on a Sunday. Covenant people can also bring judgment on themselves just sitting in the pew under the proclamation of the word. Or not occupying a pew when they're called to hear God's word word in worship here. The point is, congregation, the keys of the kingdom are being activated whenever the gospel is preached here. A key is turning. And that makes the preaching of the word something pretty important too. Right? It isn't just a matter of being here and taking and leaving whatever is proclaimed from the pulpit here every Sunday. No, when the gospel is proclaimed, the kingdom is being gloriously opened up for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven to be able to take up the treasures which Christ has obtained for you. And we hear those treasures promised here in the baptism. Or, unfortunately, that kingdom and its treasures with its treasures are being closed for you, shut for you. You're being admitted to the treasure chambers of God's kingdom or you're being shut out of those treasures. It's one or the other here under the proclamation of the gospel. How does that work? Well, notice that Lord's Day 31, in Lord's Day 31, we first confess that the preaching of the gospel opens the kingdom for believers. How is the kingdom of heaven opened and closed by the preaching of the gospel? And then it says, according to the command of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is opened 
when it is proclaimed and publicly testified to each and every believer that God has really forgiven all their sins for the sake of Christ's merits as often as they by true faith accept the promise of the gospel. In other words, from the pulpit, the forgiveness of your sins is proclaimed every time again. You hear that also in the prayers. All your sins forgiven because of what Christ has done for you on the cross. That's publicly testified here as the catechism says. Official language, court language, testified. And you can and need to accept that testimony with a believing heart. A reborn heart every time you hear it. It says there, as often as they by true faith accept the promise of the gospel. Then the kingdom, you, you accept that, appropriate that, then the kingdom is wide open for you and all the treasures of the kingdom are for you. Wonderful to think, congregation. That's what's actually happening in church every Sunday again when the word of God is opened. You can step into the treasure chambers of the kingdom. On the other hand, if I doubt that gospel testimony or don't care about it, if I resist the Spirit's work to give me new birth through the gospel then my heart becomes harder and harder towards Christ as I sit here. Then I, I don't like to be, I like to be here less and less. And then the gate of the kingdom is being shut for me under the preaching. Listen again to how we confess that in the second part of answer 84. The kingdom of heaven is closed when it is proclaimed and testified to all unbelievers and hypocrites that the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rests on them as long as they do not repent. Do, do you see, you get some idea of how serious it is to sit here every Sunday under the preaching of the gospel or not to be here under the proclamation because of other interests you may deem more important than being here? Then that preaching of the word is not just something you can take or leave Whatever you want, no. The, the kingdom of heaven is being opened for those who are born again, shut to unbelievers for those who reject that new birth. Who are those unbelievers? Well, not just people who might look quite careless about faith and Bible on the outside and who obviously ignore the gospel proclamation, not necessarily. It can also be members who come faithfully to church every Sunday, neat, nice people, never sleep in church, never step out of line in what they do. People like that can be also unrepentant and unreborn. That's why the catechism asks, adds that word hypocrites in the second part of answer 84. That means church members who act very reborn, but who are not unrepentant in their heart. You see, the preaching of the gospel in church is a serious matter. And under the preaching, the spirit wants to give you rebirth and so entry into the kingdom of heaven. But it can be that you sit here and grieve and resist the spirit. And then you remain unregenerate and then the preaching brings judgment on you. It shuts the kingdom of heaven for you. The preaching in church is always a matter of either softening the heart for Christ or hardening the heart against him. 
And so it's a matter of the kingdom of heaven being opened or shut for us in the public proclamation of God's word. The thing is, do you have ears to hear the proclamation? The gospel of salvation? Or do you live as unrepentant people who acknowledge their own desperate need for God's grace in Christ but don't accept that? In some way. Or don't even acknowledge that that desperate need. Congregation. If you do acknowledge that you need Christ. And you see that need for him. You want that. Then the spirit is at work in you. Giving new birth. And then the proclamation of the gospel. Opens the gate of the kingdom. And you have access to those treasures. That Christ has obtained for you. But if you resist the spirit, refuse to acknowledge your sins, don't want to see your total need for Christ, want to hang on to some of your sins or your self-righteousness, then you're not born again and the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rests on you. You bring God's wrath on yourselves every time you sit here under the proclamation, even though you might sit quietly, sing along, give for the needy, etc. That's the serious reality here. In Lord's Day 31. Maybe we want to be left alone even out of the preaching. Maybe there are secret sins in our life we don't want to face. And we think we can do all right without dealing with them for now. And just hang out of the sin and I'm still a believer. We think we can hold on to those things and at the same time be a church member without making any choice. But then you're fooling yourselves. Christ doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't. And that's so good of him that he doesn't leave us alone. Sunday after Sunday. From the pulpit he sends out his sharp double-edged sword. Which as it says in Hebrews 4. Penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And therefore judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It forces you. It wants to force you and push you to it. Examine your heart. Whenever the church of Christ, wherever the church of Christ is and the word is faithfully proclaimed, that proclamation then either brings to rebirth or to hardening. And so you see, you might think there's not much going on in a worship service sometimes. Sometimes you might even think it's very boring to be here. Singing, Bible reading, preaching by a man in a suit and tie up here. Prayer, more singing, collection, singing again, go home. Doesn't look like a big deal. Brothers and sisters, it's a big deal here. Here, through the proclamation of God's word, hearts experience rebirth or hardening. And here, the eternal kingdom of God with all the glorious treasures of Christ, which he obtained for us on the cross and promised to us at our baptism, are being opened wide for us or are being shut off to us. That means you can leave here either spiritually richer or poorer than when you came in. And doesn't the fact that the kingdom of heaven is open through the preaching and worship here then if you think about it, doesn't it make you want to be here every Sunday again under the proclamation? Morning and, and afternoon, if at all possible? 
Because here you're shown the eternal treasures that go beyond what eye has seen or ear heard or the mind has conceived. And you can take them by faith, simply by faith. You're told all those things are yours. Wouldn't that make you want to love and serve your Savior more all the time? Unless you're not interested. And you're interested in all kinds of other things. And they have captured your heart. And then you'd rather be home or maybe somewhere else instead. And you find it a bore to be where the gospel is preached. And your heart will become harder and harder towards it. Because it's always going one way or the other. And in fact, you could say this gate of the kingdom is swinging shut for you. And congregation, on the last day, as we confess in that end, at the end of the question and answer 84, the last day God will judge us according to what we heard here. You heard it. What did you do with it? Take every worship service seriously then. And then think about that. Prepare yourself with humility and prayer before you come to church. Prepare your heart. And listen carefully with that open heart to the gospel when you sit in the pew. And then you're giving the spirit all kinds of room to give you that new birth through the word. And every worship service you attend will be a step farther into the treasure chambers of God's kingdom. We come to the second point, Christian discipline as key of the kingdom. So the second, that was the first key, and the second is the key of church discipline. Unfortunately, church discipline is often seen as something negative, something harsh. It isn't that at all, truly. Church discipline is, just like the preaching of the word, intended to call us sinners in ourselves to repentance, to that rebirth necessary to enter the kingdom. So church discipline is redemptive in purpose. Redemptive. It's meant to call someone who has lost his or her way to the rebirth they need to enter the kingdom of heaven. Call them back to that. Or call them to it for the first time. And notice in the first place that according to Lord's Day 31, church discipline should begin always with the congregation. That's also what we confess, answer 85 of Lord's Day 31, first part. According to the command of Christ, people who call themselves Christians, but show themselves to be unchristian in doctrine or life, are first repeatedly admonished in a brotherly manner. By who? By the congregation. By the people in the congregation, the brothers and sisters in Christ. And then, it says, they are reported to the church, that is, to the elders. So church discipline doesn't begin with the consistory normally. And that's sometimes what, what people think when, when church members see somebody caught in a, the clutches of a certain sin. They might ask, well, why is the consistory not doing something about it? Shouldn't they be doing something about that person? But church discipline has to begin with, with all of us, each of us, you. If you see a brother or sister living in a sin, caught in it. 
You see that in those words of the Savior, which we read in Matthew 18, the Lord Jesus shows in that parable of the lost sheep how visible sins need to be dealt with in the church. Just like a shepherd who goes out and seeks a lost sheep to bring it back to the flock, so we ought to seek out and try to bring back a person who has fallen into a certain sin. Be captured by the devil. Shouldn't be that we look down on them with contempt as if we're so much better than they are. In the church, we're all by nature, we're all sinners, right? All called to stand beside each other in love. And so, if necessary, call back from sin in a brotherly way, recognizing and realizing that we ourselves need repentance every time again too. Rebirth. Belonging to the church isn't a competition to see how much better we are than the others over there. That kind of attitude breaks down the church, brothers and sisters. It isolates people, causes them to look down on each other, envy each other. But love, seeking each other in love, builds up. That's what church discipline is, seeking each other in love. Love for each other and for the whole church. So when you see another person committing a sin, even a sin against yourself, even one against yourself, then you shouldn't think, not my job to point that out to them. And then gossip about it with others, maybe. That's not how the Lord Jesus says we're supposed to deal with a brother or sister in the congregation who has stumbled. No, he says, Matthew 18, verse 15 and following, if your brother sins against you, even, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. You see, in the church, we may not avenge ourselves against others or ignore or reject a brother or sister who has committed a sin against one of God's commandments. No, even if I am the person they have sinned against, I need to keep in mind the will of our Heavenly Father, which is that not one of his sheep, not even the smallest one, should be lost. And they need to be brought to that rebirth to enter the kingdom with us. And it's our task to call them to that. And what should I do then, even if I'm a young person in church? Go to that person who sinned, point out their sin to them in a brotherly way from God's word and call them to repentance. I need to do that in love, in a brotherly way, even if it's a really difficult thing to do. And that means privately, just the two of you, without broadcasting what that person did all over the place. It's not a public thing, it's such. Nobody else needs to know at this point. Make it, I need to make it as simple and as easy as possible for that person to be able to repent of their sin and come back. And if they confess their sin and show sincere repentance, then it stays there. It's done with. And then the process of discipline has reached its glorious purpose. It has brought someone back to their rebirth. But if the person refuses to repent, even though you showed him or her from the Bible, you should always open the Bible with that. If they refuse, what should I do then? Then, says the Lord, you need to take two or three others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And those two or three others are there to verify that the person heard the call of God's word and that they refused to repent. That's what they testify to. That's what they're witnesses of. And they're also there to strengthen that call to repentance. And if that person still doesn't repent, then sadly, there's no sign of rebirth here. 
And then it has to be told to the church. And that means that then the consistory has to deal with the person and if necessary, make the public announcement concerning their refusal to repent. And again, the purpose, not to chase them away, get rid of them, bury the problem. No, public announcements of discipline are the last remedies used here on earth to resist the process of the hardening of the heart against God and to bring to repentance. If the public announcements and the prayers and the admonitions of the whole congregation don't bring about repentance, then we have to say that that person has not shown the rebirth needed to enter the kingdom of heaven. They have given themselves over to the kingdom of the devil instead of God's kingdom at that point. And what the Lord Jesus says must follow at a certain point then is excommunication out of the Christian congregation. Matthew 18, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. That's excommunication. Put out of the communion. They're like an outsider then. It doesn't mean that they are to be totally shunned or something like that. It means we no longer deal with them on the level of brother and sister in Christ. But then we deal with them as people who don't know God and who are to be called back to him whenever possible. And now we need to ask ourselves, congregation, is this what we do? Is this functioning here? Do we deal with each other according to this rule of Matthew 18 as our Savior wants us to and calls us to here? This is not something I made up. This is in Scripture. Do we look after each other, seek each other out like lost sheep when we notice that there is sin? Or do we back off? Say, well, that's up to them. The Lord wants us all to take responsibility for each other. If you read Matthew 18. And it's his will, too, that not one of his people he gave himself for. And he gave his promises to not even the littlest one be excluded from his kingdom. He doesn't want that. And on the other hand, what's your reaction when someone says to you and comes to you to admonish you about a sin you committed? What if you stumbled and they come to you? Do you say, well, mind your own business? Look at yourself? Or do you remember then too, this is actually love from this brother or sister when they call me to repentance. Brothers and sisters, let's be thankful that God has placed us in the communion of saints with watchers all around us, office bearers, but also a congregation watching and who are prepared to call us to be born anew so that we may enter the kingdom of Christ with all its glorious and eternal treasures. So let's never reject that concern of brothers and sisters or of the consistory of the church either. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, as baptism shows, we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. And the Lord gave the church two keys in order to call us to that rebirth and ascertain it. Those keys are not only, those keys not only open, they can also close. They open the way to the treasures of the kingdom of God or they shut off the way. And when you leave here this afternoon, how will you leave here? Will you resist being born anew? So that the wrath of God rests on you then? 
Or will you leave in the joy of belonging to Jesus Christ? As this little child who's being baptized is. And that you want those promises. And that you want those riches that are yours in Christ. And when you go about your daily life and you see a brother or sister stuck in a sin. Maybe without even realizing it. Are you going to just leave them over to themselves so that they stray farther all the time? Maybe cause others to do the same? Or will you call them to repentance so that together you may enter that glorious kingdom with all its treasures? Amen. Congregation, let's sing in response to the proclamation, Psalm 19, stanzas 4 and 6.